number three, and it is entitled, Christ the Priest. The greatest theme of the Bible is Jesus, and the study of the sanctuary <clears throat> is all about Jesus and his divine plan to destroy our sin and yet save us poor sinners unto eternal life. What a wonderful Savior! What marvelous love! How thrilling is salvation's story as unfolded in the sanctuary. Now for a bit of review. In our first presentation, we discovered that Christ is the only way to God. And in our second study, we learned that sin demands the death of the sinner, but that Jesus, our substitute, the Lamb of God, died in our place on Calvary for each of us, thus paying the ransom for our soul. Now in this third presentation, we shall discover that Christ is our High Priest who shed his precious blood on Calvary as the Lamb of which Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1.19, without blemish and without spot. Therefore, it is his precious blood which he takes into the heavenly sanctuary in his work as our high priest in order to separate sin from the sinner. And this is what this study is all about. So, let us begin by reading from the New Testament. Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 12. Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Could anything possibly be more thrilling and more exciting? You see, Christ has obtained eternal redemption for us. That means that heaven is ours. Praise God. We don't have to die the second death, but we can live forever in peace and security. How can we comprehend such marvelous redemption? It's so exciting to know that at this very moment, Jesus Christ is within the heavenly sanctuary above where he is be appearing before God in our behalf. This is why Ellen White wrote these words in Great Controversy 489. The intercession of Christ in man's behalf 
in the sanctuary above is as essential to the plan of salvation as was his death upon the cross. Oh, praise God for the cross. We could not have been saved without it. But we should also praise God for the truth that is only found and taught within the Seventh-day Adventist Church that reveals how the merits of the cross can be applied to the individual sinner. A work that is as necessary as the cross to our salvation. Listen carefully as I read Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You know, friend, when we hear of the strange new theology of Babylon that is being preached in some of our pulpits today, that unconditional salvation, full and complete, was made on Calvary's cross, that there is no such thing as a heavenly sanctuary. In fact, that there is no need of one in the plan of salvation. Don't ever listen to this doctrine of Satan. I would advise you to get up from your seat boldly. Walk out. Never let such an evil thought enter your mind. Having said that, now let us explore the need of a high priest for our individual salvation. First, what is the priest to do for me? Why do I need his help? Let us study from the Bible for this answer. In Hebrews, the eighth chapter, verse three, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now, did you notice the two reasons for our needing a high priest? First, he was to offer gifts. And then secondly, he was to offer sacrifices. Now we know all about gifts, for we have both received and given gifts. But what about a sacrifice? What is a sacrifice for? Again, let's read it from the Bible, Hebrews 5, verse 1. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Ah, now we have found the, what we were searching for. The sacrifice is for sin. Now, suppose that under the sanctuary system of the Old Testament, I had sinned, 
and I had brought an offering for my sacrifice. I cannot offer it in the sanctuary, for only the priest can enter this place. You see, I am a common man, and a man was never permitted to enter into the sanctuary. Why? Because God dwells there. A sinner would be instantly destroyed should he appear before God. So a way must be found for my gift and my sacrifice to be carried into the sanctuary before the very presence of God to be finally accepted. So I need a priest. And that is why we read in Evangelism 221, the correct understanding of the ministration in the heavenly sanctuary is the foundation of our faith. Now, let us review how a man is to secure eternal forgiveness for his sins. Man was to bring a lamb for a sacrifice for his sin. Man was to place his hands on the lamb's head. And he was to confess his sin over the substitute. And in this way, transfer his sin to the sacrifice. And then, man was to slay the sacrifice by his own hand. But now, there was nothing more that he could do. This is why he needed a priest. Notice now what the priest does for him. The priest must take of the shed blood and carry it within the sanctuary. And this work is absolutely necessary to bring justification to the sinner. Therefore, we must understand what the priest is attempting to do for us within the sanctuary if we are to be forgiven, justified, and to receive redemption. Now, Paul describes this work of the priest that he will do for us as we read in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, one to three. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Now, in our previous study, we discovered that Christ represented the Lamb, which man must have for a sacrifice. And the scriptures teach that it is equally important that the priest have something to present before God. Now the facts are that Christ is the priest 
as well as the sacrifice. Thus, Christ represents himself as and presents himself as the sacrifice. Now, to help us to understand this great truth, Paul further explains in Hebrews 8.4, For if he, Christ, was on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Now, these words were written while the Jewish temple was in Jerusalem and still in existence, and that the priests were daily carrying out their duties. But Paul is trying to say this, that if Jesus were on earth, he would not be a priest. But since Jesus is now in heaven, after his death and resurrection, he is now a priest in the heavenly sanctuary. And Paul understood that the earthly priests were an example and a shadow of what was to take place in the heavenly sanctuary. Listen as he continues, verse 5, who serve as the example and shadow of heavenly things. It's so clear. You see, the word shadow means that the work of the priest on earth was a shadowy outline of the movements of our great high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. Let me illustrate. I was once a counselor in a summer youth camp in which there was a problem child under my care. Now, during the rest period, every child was expected to lay on his cot and sleep if possible. But this child decided to get out of his cot to slip outside and get into some mischief. And he made sure to stay behind the building so that I could not see him. But he forgot about his shadow. I was able to observe everything that he was doing by watching his shadow. And just so, as we study what went on in the earthly sanctuary, we can understand the importance of what Christ is now doing for us in the heavenly sanctuary. I am determined to make this simple and so clear that a child can understand. So please bear with me as I review once more for clarity. In Leviticus 4, we find that the sinner, bringing his sacrifice for his sins, the next thing he did was to lay his hands on its head and confess his sin over the head of the lamb and thus transfer his sin to the lamb. And then he took the life of the victim. Now the sinner then had done all that he could do. At this point, the priest takes over in the man's behalf. What does he do? Leviticus 4, 5. The priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood 
and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, uh, don't be confused by different animals mentioned as you read of the sacrifices, because each basically represented Christ, the Lamb of God. And you will notice that it is the priest who brings the blood of the sacrifice into the sanctuary before the very presence of God. <clears throat> now, what did the priest do with this blood when he took it into the sanctuary? I continue to read verse 6 and 7. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood upon the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle. You see, God directed just exactly what the priest was to do. He was to take some of the blood and place it on the horns of the altar. This is the altar that is within the sanctuary of the holy place. And only the priest could do this. And only Jesus Christ, our high priest, who is now in the heavenly sanctuary, can perform this work for us now. You have a question, I think, and I knew you would ask. What about this blood? What does the blood represent? I hope that you are listening, for this is a basic theological, unquestionable fact. Listen carefully. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. And never, never forget it. I am reading it to you from the inspired word of God, Leviticus 17, verse 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. You know that's so important, I must read it again. The life of the flesh is in the blood. What a gem of truth. You see, the blood represents the life. Therefore, the blood of Christ represents his life. Now pause and do some reasoning. Isn't your very life in your blood? For example, if you happen to cut your jugular vein and don't do anything about it, you will quickly bleed to death. And this is why when we encounter a serious accident in which we are losing a tremendous amount of blood, we quickly apply a tourniquet to stop the flow. Why? So we will not die. 
the very life of Jesus was poured out on Calvary in his shed blood. Of this the prophet wrote in Isaiah 53.10, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, who poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressor. Now let's go back to verse 6 of the chapter 4 of Leviticus. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. Were you listening? Did you notice that the blood was sprinkled on the horns of the altar before the veil? What did this mean? Well, step with me into the sanctuary and watch, and you will notice that a veil is hanging just before the ark containing the law of God, the Ten Commandments, written by God on two tables of stone. And just above the law is the mercy seat, which represents the very throne of God, where we can obtain mercy through the sacrifice and the ministry of Christ, our high priest. Now, think it through. You will recall that every individual is to be measured by the character standard of the law. And all of us have transgressed that law through sin, and we are doomed to die. Romans 5.12 says, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. But wait, I don't have to die. And you don't have to die. And better still, the great truth is that God doesn't want any of us to die. So, how can we be saved? Someone must die for us. Someone who was in human nature. And that someone was the Son of God. And this is why Jesus came to this world, to live under the law of God, in our flesh, without committing one sin, so that when he went to the cross, he could give a perfect life as a substitute for you and for me. And this is actually what made it possible for Christ, who is now in the heavenly sanctuary, to be able to present his blood in our behalf. Hebrews 9.11 But Christ, being come an high priest, by his own blood, entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
Did you notice those words? I must read them again. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Yes, the law said I must die. But Jesus, our great high priest, in his own blood, stands before that very law, the very throne of God, to represent you and me who are sinners. He paid the supreme price on Calvary by his perfect life, which he now presents before the Father in our behalf. No earthly priest could do this because every earthly priest had sinned. And indeed, every earthly priest needed a sinless priest to stand before the eternal God for them. And secondly, a sinful priest could never enter into heaven to appear before God for us. But praise God, Jesus can. And he is doing this for you and for me this very moment. You know, I like the way that Charles Wesley contemplated the sacrifice of Jesus as he wrote of how our high priest presents his blood in our behalf before God. Listen as he wrote. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding Savior in my behalf appears. Before the throne, my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. He ever lives above for me to intercede, his all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead. His blood was shed for all our race and sprinkled now the throne of grace. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary, they pour effectual prayers they strongly speak for me forgive him oh forgive they cry nor let the contrite sinner die how we should praise God for the provision in which Jesus Christ is interceding before God as our high priest for you and for me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever trembled in fear at the thought that someday you must approach God's throne and stand in judgment? You know, I was reading recently in the book Great Controversy, page 482, that every man's work passes in review before God and is registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name 
in the book of heaven is entered with terrible exactness. Every wrong word, every selfish act, every unfulfilled duty, every secret sin, with every artful dissembling, heaven-sent warnings of reproof neglected, wasted moments, unimproved opportunities, the influence exerted for good or for evil with its far-reaching results, <clears throat> all are chronicled by the recording angel. For the law of God is the standard by which the character and lives of men will be tested in the judgment. Says the wise man, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. And so, I ask you again, have you ever been troubled and tremble in fear at the thought that someday you must approach God's throne and stand in judgment? Listen, friend. You do not have to appear there in person. You see, you have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who will go in before you, before the Father. Wonder of wonders. Who is better and in a position to appear before God than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He knows the Father. Let me ask you a question. Have you made it possible for Jesus, your high priest, to appear before the Father for you? You see, you are a sinner. The Bible says so. And you are in desperate need of help. And the scripture explains what you must do for your help. You must go to Calvary in your mind, and you must watch Jesus die for you. And you must follow him by faith as he rises from the dead and returns to heaven. You must watch as he enters the heavenly sanctuary. And you must follow him in faith as he enters into the very presence of God there to offer his blood for you. Listen in faith as his divine lips present your name in intercession with God the Father. If you will do this, such an understanding will fill your heart with hope that you will never, never fear the judgment when your name comes. For in Hebrews 7.25, we are told that he is able to save to the uttermost that come to God 
And notice those words that come to God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now you can understand the meaning of the scripture that Jesus Christ is able to present you faultless before the throne. This is what Peter meant when he wrote in the second chapter, verse 24 of the first book, who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And this is what Paul meant when he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might, that we might make be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I think you have one more question that I ought to answer. What kind of blood is it that is sprinkled in the sanctuary before God? The answer, the sin-bearing blood. And this is very important. And we must fully understand this since the life is in the blood. Permit me to make this personal. My sins have been transferred to the, to the substitute. So as Christ goes in before the Father's throne, watch as Christ presents his blood bearing my sins which were transferred to him to the altar by the means of my substitute. Now are you ready for an astounding truth? The great fact is this. There is now no more sin upon me. My sins have been transferred into the sanctuary. My sins have been separated from me. What a wonderful thought. What a wonderful truth. Now, present me to ask you, where is your sin at this very moment? It is either in your heart or your sin is in the heavenly sanctuary. Friend, are you attempting to bear your guilt alone? Or have you transferred your sin to the Lamb of God and permitted him to cast these sins into the sanctuary of heaven? You know, so very, very few Christians seem to actually understand that their sins have been separated from them in the sanctuary system. For we were told in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And friend, to be cleansed is to be separated. Separated from our sin. That is why in Psalms 32, 1, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Thank God Jesus can cover our sins with his precious blood. This very moment, our heart should be filled with a peace, a peace of God, if our minds are stayed on his promises, for he can separate us from our sins forever, if we will only let him by letting Jesus cover them with his blood within the sanctuary. Tell me, have you allowed Satan to trouble you with a guilty conscience? What are you worrying about? Don't live in fear and frustration. Don't let Satan tempt you to believe, disbelieve this great truth. Meditate upon the great sanctuary in heaven and what Christ is doing for you, that he is separating your sin from you and covering it with his blood. But make sure, very sure, that you have accepted the lamb as your sacrifice, that you have placed your hands upon its head, that you have confessed every known sin and that your sins have been transferred to the Lamb. Remember, you cannot transfer your sins and still keep them. Now, if you think it through, you will agree. For instance, if you have a piece of property and you decide to transfer that property to somebody else. You sign a deed, you have it witnessed and recorded. And I ask you, do you still own that property? Absolutely not. It now belongs to another. There is no way that you can transfer your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ and still keep them. So many professed Christians never really understand this vital point. They join the church, they pray to Jesus, but somehow they never rest in the total forgiveness that Jesus Christ has separated you from those sins. They have missed the point completely. The sinner must come to the place in this life that he not only asks Jesus to take his sins and believing that he has, but that he is now willing for Jesus to take them forever. In 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You know, when we comprehend 
that the Lamb represents Christ, that we can obtain victory over our sin in watching the Lamb die for our sins, this is exactly why Jesus in the Old Testament times told the sinner that he had to take the lamb, confess his sin over it, and slay the victim with his own hand. Then the blood was taken within the sanctuary by the priest to be presented to God covered with the blood separated from you forever. Would to God that we would linger in our mind at the scenes of the Calvary and that we would meditate upon the sanctuary so we would understand the cost of our sin as we see the innocent Son of God dying in our place and that we understand that personally he is taking those sins, presenting them to the Father in our behalf. Surely we will give up sin forever and we will never go back to our sins. And this is only possible through the power of God. For Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because all power was given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And so now I close. And I ask you to come to Jesus. Accept his power. To deliver you from sin to allow him as your high priest to take your sin and to separate you from it forever. Remember Hebrews 7.25 He is able to save to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Let us pray. Loving Father, as our hearts grasp the divine truth that in the sanctuary you can separate us from these terrible sins so that when God looks upon you, he sees that we have been covered by your life and that our sins are covered with his blood and that we can stand before God as though we had never sinned. Oh, praise your name, Lord. Thank you for being our high priest. Praise your name for your sacrifice and what you are doing for us now in heaven. Amen.